It is the 90s, and there is time for the Pie Factory Podcast. <laughs> that was a really good countdown. That was really well, thank well you. done. It was a down count. Oh. Prepare for down count. That will come oh, yes, play indeed. Later. That'll come into play later. So, hi, everybody. Hi. This is uh, Pie Factory Podcast episode, I don't know, I should pull that screen up. Um, it is episode 142. 142, as in Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, welcome again, everybody. This is... Uh, the one, the only, unless I've been... No, it's not the one and only, because I am a junior. Jimmy G. And I am the one and only Sean. There is no other Sean ever, especially in arcade gaming podcasting. There is not. Well, there is no other Jimmy G in arcade gaming podcast. That's right. My full name. I sound royal, but uh, I'm only really a royal pain in the ass. Damn it, I was going to say that. So, how are you doing, Sean? <laughs> Um, you know what? I came into this recording very, very dreary because uh, this is an unusual situation, at least of the last couple of years, because this is the first time in a long time we've recorded on a weeknight Mm -hmm. and ergo it's after a long day of work that turned out to be pretty taxing on my brain. And I, my, my brain was just fried completely. And then when I came in here to the studio at Pie Factory headquarters, North Branch, for whatever reason, I decided to take the wind filter off my microphone because oh. I use a very commonly used microphone in podcasting and stuff. And I see that people on YouTube use it all the time and they're talking like eight inches away from it and uh-huh. they're coming across loud and clear. I could be like one inch away from it and there's still a lot of hiss in the microphone. And people tell you, well, it's because you're speaking not loudly enough or too far away. I took off the wind filter and suddenly poof. It's picking me up a lot better, so I'm pretty psyched about that. And I don't really need this wind filter on it because there's one that comes on it by like built in. Uh This is just an extra filter, so it's basically like two more inches of fuzz just blocking out extra sound that it doesn't need to block out. Now, is that the same microphone that you bought for me? No, this is a different one. Oh, okay. Because I bought basically the same kind of uh, microphones I use in broadcasting and things because I was recording music mm-hmm. and these record better with music than the blue Yetis that uh, we used to use, uh-huh. uh, which those are great podcast microphones. If all you're going to do is talk, right? but if you want to record music, you got to get something a little bit more dynamic. Now, is it, uh, oh, what, what do they call the connection? The, uh, the big, uh, the big XLR rat. XLR. Okay. I was thinking, yep. I was thinking XLR, but then I was thinking, no, that's a camera term. But no, I guess it's not. Oh, what the heck is? Oh, SLR. Oh, SLR. SLR. That's SLR. Right. That's yes. the camera term. That's right. So, so how so, else you doing? Been playing how any else games? Oh, I, uh, I played some games, including the ones we are talking about for this particular episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, made my monthly arcade trip. And for the first time in a long time, I left without having any personal bests to record. Aw. Which bums me out. But man... I really learned a lot more about bubbles than I thought I knew. Though. Oh, <laughs> I almost want to take another look at bubbles, like do a redux on that sometime. So you went to uh, the ghost because I don't believe Underground Retrocade has it. Retrocade does have it. Oh, see. they do have it. Why am I thinking yes. they don't have it? 
because they only got it fairly recently in gotcha. their existence, like in the last couple of years, I think. Okay. I don't get to arcades as often as I like. I was going to go this Me last too. week, but uh, yeah, I'd probably get in trouble if I went. So that's the way it goes when you're married and you have kids and you live with the mother-in-law who wants, thinks that there's nothing better to do with life than to rake leaves. Hmm. So I'd use the leaf blower, but uh, my my other daughter has it, and it's at her soon-to-be father-in-law's house. Ah. Yeah. And uh, she hasn't brought it back. You're never going to see that thing again. Oh, I better. Because I got it at uh, my current ex-employer. So. Oh, you only have one ex-employer? Well, I have two. I have several, but this is. I, I was going to say, they, everybody else hire you back? I have plenty of Yes, I have seven jobs. But my current ex-employer is my last employer. Ah. But yeah, I'm out of work right now. So, ah. so anyway, so um, we, we talked about this with uh, one of our most, more recent episodes about doing the, the Redux thing. And I'm serious about making that a, a regular thing once in a while, redoing yeah. it. I mean, there's, there's at least one full episode I'd like to redo. I've ta- we've talked about it ad infinitum. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, I'd also like to belch. But um, I think there's some episodes that we can go back to, and uh, know, now that we've know know more about some of these games, oh yeah, and, uh, and you know maybe freshen up the uh, freshen up the content a bit. Maybe we could, ooh we could do an audio pop up video or, hmm. or something like that. Yeah, I don't know how that would work, but uh, oh, kind of like uh, uh, when uh, oh I suddenly can't think of his name, the guy uh, from Georgia, um, Jimmy Carter. The guy who wrote the book, I'm just here for more food. Oh, Elton Brown. Elton Brown, yes. Kind of like what Elton Brown did with the redone version of his of uh, Good Eats, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Is he, he still doing show... new episodes? I don't know. He did one season, but I don't oh, know if he did another one. You know what I'm really excited about? What are you excited about? Because of the time of year we're recording this, uh, this is uh, the middle of November, and... Uh, it's going to be soon time for my annual viewing of Fry Turkey Fry. That is a great episode. That is a wonderful episode. I need to, I haven't seen that one in a while. We've mentioned that episode before about the turkey rig and all that. Yeah. But uh, you know what? Lately, I've been watching uh, back episodes of WKRP in Cincinnati. And while the turkey episode, the Thanksgiving episode is funny, it's kind of like cliche at this point. Yeah. Uh, just how they keeps getting played over and over and over, just like Christmas Story keeps getting played. They were great at first, but it's like, yeah, that's yeah, really no interest in either of them any either of them anymore. I have a thing to say about each of those. Uh oh. Starting with uh, the uh, WKRP in Cincinnati episode. Okay. Ladies, gentlemen, and other, the phrase is "as God is my witness." Not as God as my witness. I have heard okay? that a bit, yeah. And uh, number two, A Christmas Story. My wife and I were just talking about that. You know how they show it over and over and over every Christmas? Yeah. And uh, the two of the Turner Networks show it. Mm-hmm. They kind of stagger it a little bit. We have yet to see it from start to finish. In really? In many years. Oh, in many because years. we keep catching it in the wrong point. We have the DVD. Mm-hmm. But it's like one of the first of the the first issue ever of a Christmas story on DVD, and quite frankly, it's a really crappy DVD. <laughs> <laughs> but we'd still kind of like to time it right. I'm making very physical hand gestures right now, which is really helpful on an audio podcast. Well, as we're talking about holiday TV and stuff like that, 
Yeah. Uh, first of all, people that saw the movie Grindhouse years back, which was uh, Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, trying to recreate oh the uh, Grindhouse movie experience of the 60s and 70s. It was a double feature with uh, Planet Terror, which was the Robert Rodriguez film, and Death Proof, which was the Quentin Tarantino film. And in between them, there was a lot of uh, fake trailers for movies. And a couple of them got made, like Machete, uh, Hobo with a Shotgun. I want to think there was one more. They're doing another one. Eli Roth's uh, Thanksgiving, a Thanksgiving-based uh, uh, slasher film. And the, the fake trailer was great because uh, it, was, it was obviously all tongue-in-cheek. But, um, but uh, there was this one scene in the fake trailer, not the trailer for the real movie, where... Uh, some cops are investigating a murder that happened in the middle of a parade. They put their finger in the stuff, put it in their mouth. Yep, that's blood. <laughs> Unfortunately, this new Thanksgiving movie doesn't look like it's going to be tongue-in-cheek. So, uh, uh-huh. yeah. And uh, a, a big announcement. Uh, it, this just actually broke, I think, today. The Mystery Science Theater 3000 Turkey Day Marathon is coming oh, out. Yeah. It's going to be uh, kind of a telethon. Uh, to raise funds for a season 14 at the Gizmoplex. Ah. And it's a two-day marathon for the first time. Really? But all sat- day Saturday and all day Sunday. It's like 9 a.m. Uh, Thursday to 9 a.m. Saturday. Is, uh, link what? in the show notes? Yeah, we'll put a link. And it's going to be on, let's see, on for free on the Gizmoplex, I believe on YouTube, and on Shout Factory TV. Oh, okay. So, so Shout, Factory, Shout Factory is still uh, a thingy with them, huh? Yep, and uh, so that's coming up. Um, now, I haven't mentioned what games I've been playing, because we kind of <laughs> sidetracked. Please do. I just the other day found a great NES homebrew. I only played it the one time, because tr- I was trying to still figure some stuff out with it, because I only have the ROM, and not, I really want to purchase this one. It's so good. It's called Gold Guardian Gun Girl. G-G-G-G, huh? And what happens, you're in a mine, and you're collecting all of the gold while killing all of the enemies and uh you're in this like i don't know like robotech like suit thing and you're constantly firing and the a and b buttons on the controller just uh, rotate your guns left and right and um this is a fun and addicting game (laughs) so there's that uh link in the show notes link in the show notes and i've been just experimenting with different things here and there on the nes and I haven't messed around too much more with uh, the hard drive and prototype, which I still say is pretty decent for what they had to work with. And um, it was obviously nowhere near done. It just it still needed a lot of tweaking, but it was pretty impressive what they had done. And what else have I been playing? Uh, oh, yeah, I'm so close to finishing the missions on uh, Yars Recharged oh, on, on PC. Tell. Uh, I finished... I've only got one mission left out of the 20, and this one has been perplexing me for weeks now. I'm sadly devoting more time to it than I am job searching. (laughs) But um, I actually finished the very last level in the sequence today. You don't have to do them in order, but you only have access to like three unlocked levels at any time. But you could do those in any order. Mm -hmm. Um, So... It's like level 19 has been a royal pain in my keister. And I know how to defeat it. It's just, it's it's bullet helly. And um, as long as we're on the subject of the recharged games, I saw a video and an online review of Berserk Recharge. Yes, yes. I did not watch that yet. 
The original Berserk was not designed as a twin-stick shooter, but they turned it into a twin-stick shooter. They added power-ups, and it just comes off... I haven't played it yet, but the video I've seen just makes it, to me, seem like it just comes off as a sequel to Smash TV. Okay, I thought you were going to think it was a, another dual joystick shooter. It is. It's very similar to Smash TV. It is. The new Berserk on Recharged is a twin stick shooter. Oh, and by the way, um, I was going through my ROMs. I don't know if I mentioned, I may have mentioned this. I don't know. My home. I was home, just trying to get you to say Robotron so we could use the oh, thing. But Robotron. No. This week in Robotron. There we go. I was going through the homebrew ROMs on my EverDrive for the NES. And mm-hmm. do you know what is on there? Tinkle Pit? Uh, 7800 Berserk and Frenzy by Bob D. Crescenzo. Really? What, and wait, what he obviously, and he programmed oh, it. Oh, for NES. For NES. Oh, yeah. I knew he was doing NES games. And I didn't I th- know he did that. I think what it was, didn't he do one of those Coleco tabletop things for Berserk Frenzy or something like that? I, I don't remember, but I didn't realize he did this. In fact, I haven't uh, talked to him about it yet. I was going to do that. And it's really good. The... Uh, I kind of like it better than the 7800 version in one way, and that's uh, there's definitely a, a color difference between the reflective walls and the walls that you can shoot because that was a yeah uh, because of the way he pro- the uh, the 7800 version was programmed there was just no way he could find to get around it. However, the sound is a lot better on I'd the imagine. 7800 version. Oh, oh also, the 7800 ho- version. Yeah. Oh. However, the NES version does say coin detected in pocket. I wonder if he had more room to play around with uh, for voices. I'm probably, Nintendo I'm version. pretty sure he must have, even though the two consoles came out around the same time. The well, the 7800 is technically older. Yeah. The NES was 86, and I believe the 7800 was technically 84. Because the 7800 version, he put voices in there, but he had to keep them to a minimum. Right. So that gameplay wouldn't come to a halt every yeah, like, six seconds. I'm going to need to replay this. Uh, this version again because I don't remember if the uh, the audio if the gameplay comes to a halt yeah. when the, the uh, when the, uh, the, the 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 voices come out, but um, I was quite pleased with that. So uh, I was playing myself a crap ton of Frenzy at uh, Underground Retrocade. Yeah, it's interesting how they have it at uh, Retrocade because they don't have a separate Berserk and Frenzy cabinet. Right, it's just a Berserk cabinet that has both boards in it. And every day it alternates. Uh, one day it'll be Berserk. The uh-huh. next day it'll be Frenzy. I happened to get in there on a Frenzy day, and I was really happy about that. Because I I don't know. After playing Frenzy so much, I can't go back to Berserk. No. I mean, Berserk, for what it was when it came out, was a fine game. But sure, Frenzy was just the natural progression, and it added a, mm-hmm. little, a lot more depth to the gameplay. Oh, yeah. And um, so, yeah, that's obviously a game we've already talked about. But uh I don't think there's a need to go back to that. No. Oh, going back to something we mentioned about about the uh, about doing a, a Redux. If there's an episode that anyone out there wants us to re, uh, any games that out there that anyone wants us to take a deeper look into, just let us know. Yeah, eight one five four five eight two one four. Oh wait, never mind. Okay. Sorry, I have no idea what was that. But I was uh, flashing back to my radio time. Um, ah, okay. So uh, Pie Factory Podcast or Pie Factory at Fab Four IT dot com. Yeah. Uh, the FAB number four IT. Or you can go to our website and use a contact form. Or you could do that. So uh, that's always an option. And, uh, and the social medias and the um, discords. I took my son for a little car ride today. 
Oh, so I saw. Oh, you shave too. That that looks very nice. Yeah, you we have a, a look much a, younger. A great now. barber lounge here in town called Luvano's, and I uh, got my. I treat myself every now and then to a straight edged, uh, straight razor shave, and uh, oh, it's it, it is the ultimate male spa treatment is getting a straight razor shave. You got the hot towel and. So I relaxing. tried that once and I left very unhappy. Really? Yeah, because the stuff they put on your face smells like dirt. Okay, and uh, the guy me. said, I told the guy that I'd never had a formal straight, ra- straight razor shave before. He said, this is going to be the closest shave you'll ever experience. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, on the way home, I'm walking home. I'm feeling my face and feeling all the spots that were missed. I mean, I do a much better job shaving myself with a standard Gillette razor. By the way, Gillette, we're open to sponsorship. I got my shave yesterday, and uh, it's already growing back. I, my hair grows really fast. It's Some guys have problems with the hair either being too short, thinning, or whatever, or growing way too fast, and there's like one or two guys that... Uh, not have problem. Not have problem. So Sean and I are opposite ends of that spectrum. We're opposite ends of everything, God. pretty much. No, we're both tall. Yeah, but you're much taller. Oh, yeah, and uh, I did the uh, Ghosts of Starved Rock thing on Halloween night. Oh, how did that go? Well, not Halloween night, but the weekend before. That. It went really well. I was worried. Good. I, was, I didn't have to memorize it, but I did have some cards, and uh, and uh, I rewrote this stuff in a way that makes it easier for me to remember. And, oh, uh, nice. It was, it was a little cool and a little tiny bit rainy, but uh, that, was, uh, that was fine. I portrayed Pear Marquette, and I'm like, Ooh, I want to do this again next year, but uh, the guy who I filled in for does Paramarket, and <laughs> he's short. Um, oh, I remember why uh, I brought this up. As one of the other guys that volunteered, who uh, who was a volunteer at the park, who actually knows my dad, which is weird. Really? Huh. I'm six foot four. You're about six foot three, six foot four in that neighborhood. Six foot two. Oh, six? Really? Yep. This guy was six foot six. Yeah. And I'm like, that's like borderline NBA height. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I was like, uh, I've never had to look up to anybody before. <laughs> so that was kind of weird, but uh, it was a good time. And uh, we gathered for drinks afterwards uh, at the Ooh, nice. Starved Rock Lodge. They have a really, if you ever get out there, the, um, especially I in the to. summer, they, out on the patio, they have like music and burgers on the grill. But even in the winter, they'll have like uh, uh, specials. Like uh, last year they had, and I had this, it was, uh, what the hell was the name? I don't remember the name of it, but it was, uh, like a uh, hot chocolate with a little, uh, with a little, with a little vodka and cherries, and whipped cream. It was really good. Oh man. And you just sit there in front of the, uh, fireplace that was built during, uh, the civilian conservation corps era and, uh, a fun time can be had by all. Ooh. Except that uh, nice. one of the kids there was sick and threw up all over the and then, of course, one of my kids hey, caught whatever that bug was, and then my wife caught it. A peristaltic chain reaction. Everybody got sick except you. Yeah, there was a lot of people there. Only three got sick. There was oh, like 12, okay. 10, 12 of us. But being tall, however, I decided, I discovered there is one advantage to being tall. I always say that I hate being tall, mm-hmm. but there is one advantage of being tall. There's a spot on the back of my head. That kind of looks bald, but it's not really bald, but it's just really, really super thin hair. Mm-hmm. People can't see it because they're not my height. <laughs> so that makes me feel pretty good. Yeah, I, uh, I've i had to deal with the height issue. 
now people are just uh, looking at my gut telling me that I'm fat and so that they don't really worry about me. Oh, I've been putting up with that all my life, so yeah. you're used to it. I just like cheeseburgers too much. And I'll tell you this. It is much easier to live life fat than it is to live life tall. I have to think about that one a little bit. I don't Because I've never had any limitations due to my fatness, which, believe me, is there. But, man, being tall, I've bumped my head. Oh, God. I've had yeah. double vision as a result of that many times. Mm -hmm. And uh, spider webs. Oh, dude. <laughs> at, my, at my previous employer where you save big money. I was working IT in the in in the distribution center and there were catwalks everywhere, conveyor belts and I yeah, frequently frequently would bang my head on uh, low hanging stuff because it was not made for somebody my height. Hmm. So that was always a thing. One time I did it, I was told to report it and I'm like, "Why? You're not going to spend millions of dollars just to to raise that conveyor belt another 6 inches." So do we have any addenda errata? I don't think so. I think we got everything right the last time. Sweet. I think. So uh, what about uh, no drinking arena today? No, no. I just have water today. I've got Casey's unsweetened iced tea. Ooh. Someday you're going to have to come out here and have some Casey's breakfast pizza with us. I don't like breakfast food. No? No. I do like breakfast food. I like I, pancakes and waffles, and that's it. Eggs, forget it. No, no, no. You could do sausage boring. <laughs> sausage is boring. Yeah, you haven't had. I the got right so tired of that. You haven't had the right sausage. Bacon, I need it on a burger or a pizza. Well, the thing with waffles and pancakes, you can have that anytime. I, I like having. I like having breakfast food for any meal. Did I tell you who put the idea in my head to use bacon as a pizza topping? Hmm. No swear gamer. Really? Yeah. I've done it before. He and just I, mentioned I, it off the cuff, and I'm like, I never thought of that. Let me try that. And yeah, it is good. It is such a good pizza topping. Well, you know who gave me the idea of putting Italian beef on pizza? Um, An Italian? Me. Oh. I went to a restaurant one time out, and when we lived in Moments, I saw they had oh, Italian monocles. beef. And, uh, no, not monocles. This was a not local monocles. joint. Oh, and, okay. um, they, I saw they had Italian beef sandwiches, and I saw they had pizza, but I also noticed that you couldn't, it didn't say anything about Italian beef as an ingredient on the pizza. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try this. And I tried it, and uh, then they put it on the menu, and people started ordering it. And now, when you're in the Chicago area, it's uh, kind of hard to find a, res a restaurant that does not have it as a pizza topping. Hmm. It's a double price topping, but uh, it's worth every penny. Hey. It's good stuff. I've been getting into Detroit-style pizza lately. We've been uh, getting these Detroit-style pizzas from Costco that are really good. Yeah, I like Detroit-style. Yeah, I, mean, I need to find a I don't think there's a Jets anywhere around here. And the closest to Detroit-style in town is Domino's, but less said about them, the better. They were good when they first entered the market. They sucked ever since then. I got to tell you, though, um, a few years ago, my parents invited me over to their house for a cookout. Uh-huh. The cookout was, oh, yeah, you and your brother are going to go with your dad to pick up pizzas. That was the cookout. <laughs> and it was Domino's. I got to tell you, it, it was shockingly good. They definitely improved significantly. There's this uh, YouTube channel that I watch every now and then called the Barbecue Pit Boys. Some good old boys oh, yeah. from, like, North Carolina or whatever. And uh, They once had them. Jeff Goldblum on their show. Huh. They did One time they did, they ordered a couple of... Uh, of cheese pizzas, mm -hmm. they ordered them out, brought them back, put one on the grill, layered it down with all sorts of toppings, 
uh, more cheese. Then they put the other one on top and they finished oh cooking boy. it on the grill. And I'm like, okay, but that seems to be a lot of extra trouble, but okay. Oh man. And I also feel very full for tomorrow too. Oh, just hearing about that. Why's that? That sounds very filling, very rich. Yeah. I haven't had Chicago style pizza in a while, so I'm going to take my probably take my kids out for lunch tomorrow at uh, Giordano's out in Minooka. Oh, I didn't know there's Giordano's in Minooka. Yeah, there is. Oh, by the way, that I'm serious about this. Okay. If you don't have a Detroit style place like Jets or even an independent place uh-huh. in your neighborhood, next time Pizza Hut does a Detroit style thing, get it. They did. They. Sir, I was shocked at how well they did that. Really? Because we have, not far from me is a genuine Detroit style place called uh-huh. Fat Chris's. Uh-huh. The Pizza Hut stuff, I tried the Pizza Hut stuff for a certain reason, and I was shocked at how close it was. I was like, oh my God, they nailed it. So, yeah. And I know that they brought back the Detroit style a couple of times since. You know, they haven't come, back in the 70s and 80s, they uh, were they did Chicago style once in a while at Pizza Hut, but I haven't seen it come back in a long, long time. Yeah, so sometime like around 20, two, 30 years. Yeah, sometime around 2000, it was back when I was living in Jersey, they had quote-unquote Chicago dish. And, it, and it's not Chicago style. It was awful. It, was, it looked like a Chicago style pizza, except basically what they did was just poured a jar of ragu on it. Hmm. And then there was with the, little, uh, uh, with the with the little vegetable bits and everything. It's like this is not. <laughs> and then was there terrible. was uh, when we went to Iceland, we went to a grocery store, and uh, they had a frozen pizza brand called Chicago Town. Yeah. <laughs> it was nothing like Chicago style pizza. By the way, uh, <laughs> those of you who either are currently using our Discord server or will in the future, mm-hmm. you now know why we have a food and drink channel. In yeah. It. Oh, and uh, as long as I'm talking about Iceland. Um, <clears throat> There's a volcanic eruption uh, imminent any day now. It's going to be hitting near the Blue Lagoon Spa, which uh, I was fortunate that we got to go to before it gets filled with lava, maybe. So, anyway, so if we don't have any addenda, errata, drinking arena, or any of that, we should probably just get on with a game. Um, sure. We've been talking for about 30 minutes. But which game, though? Which? Which? You know what? I'll start. I'll do it. Okay. I'll do Fozon. Fozon. Yes. As the uh, promotional flyer called it, <clears throat> the avant-garde game of the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Good for them. Yeah, that was Good in the promotional them. flyer. I love looking at promotional flyers. There's some awesome stuff in them. Oh, yeah. And even though this game didn't come out in the United States, it was Japan only, uh, the flyer was in full English, but I'm thinking that's because <laughs> they tried to get a release in the U.S. because it was shown at uh, the uh, American Amusement Manufacturers Show or the AMOA in, I think, 84. But uh, hmm. the game uh, has a copyright of August 1983 Namco in Japan. And um, player controls a, the, uh, an item called the Chemic, which hmm. sounds either like a Batman villain or something out of Breaking Bad. And it's a Black Adam. It's got red spikes on it. And you control it with an eight-way joystick. The object of the game is to collect the other atoms, which are called the Molex. <laughs> not to be confused with the Morlocks from the time machine. Oh, of course. And those are uh, cyan, green, pink, and sometimes yellow. Uh, you know, blue stars, yellow, di- you know, and, <clears throat> and purple horseshoes. Purple horseshoes. And the object to collect them is to duplicate the pattern in the middle of the play field, thus completing a step. There are three steps per world. And 
after the third step in a world, there's a bonus round, which uh, the Kemic shoots the Molex at enemies using the button. Uh, so that's it's basically a pattern matching game. Now, the thing is, uh, you catch the Molex just by uh, by touching them. And if you get one in the in a wrong spot, you can hit the uh, the button on the control panel. Don't know what it's labeled, and uh, it'll release it. And you can release them all, but only one at a time. But uh, yeah, I probably make it a little harder. Uh, there is a timer at the bottom of the screen, which I just found out today, even though I'd been playing oh. this game for a little bit. Yep. Yeah, if the pattern isn't replicated before it gets down to zero, the player loses a life and must replicate the pattern from scratch. Ooh. Now there is an enemy. Uh, the enemy is a group of differently colored balls called the electronic supersonic, um, the atomic, the atomic, uh, chemic and the atomic and the molec. It's a whole chemistry theme. It really is, isn't it? And actually, there are chemistry formulas in the background, uh, uh, molecule diagrams in the background of the play field there behind the uh, the pattern you're supposed to... uh, How did I not notice that? Oh, yeah. It's it's quite a a nice little touch. But um, so at any rate, the atomic uh, roams around the screen... Kind of like the uh, like the kicks in uh, the game of the same name. Yes, yes. I was trying to think, what is this reminding me yeah. of? And yeah, that's exactly this, it. This game has a kicks feel to it, even though the gameplay is radically different. But uh, and sometimes the uh, the atomic will break up, separating into multiple balls. And um, you know, differently colored balls. One of them has got to be blue. I am assuming. And sometimes it'll shoot out alpha and beta rays, which I don't know if I've seen those. I probably have, but uh, yeah, I don't know. So uh, the Chemic can attack the Atomic. This is kind of getting weird with the Ix. Uh, <laughs> if it picks up the Power Molec, which is bigger than the normal Molec. And the Power Molec starts in World 2. And um, apparently there are 18 patterns which must be replicated, which means that there are 18 worlds. Wait, 18? Maybe there's only six No, they're worlds. like, there are a couple of steps per world, I think. There's three, like steps, three steps per, per world. world. So either it's either 18 worlds or six worlds. You know what? It's probably six worlds, but it's uh, probably six. I didn't get that far, (laughs) Uh, but yeah, the game was shown at the AMOA show in 83, but it didn't get into the released in the U S despite there being favorable reviews for it. And um, yeah, I looked up some reviews and I didn't write them down or anything, but yeah, it uh, got some real good reviews when it was shown at the show. There is an Easter egg in the game and I replicated it, replicated Replicate? Yeah. That's uh, what you happens when you, ch- when you uh, duplicate something in India. You replicate it you know, with the rupees. Yeah. But no, there is an Easter egg. Uh, you go into the service mode, and you enter the following sequence. You hit up four times, then right, then down, and left two times. And the copyright symbol will spell out the C with the, the copyright symbol and the P in a circle, whatever that is. Uh, 1983 Namco Limited. So that's fun. Ooh. And I might as well tip my hand here. The first place I ever played this was uh, on the Namco Arcade Classics 3 on the PlayStation 1. And it's been across various different Namco uh, collections over the years. And uh, it's currently available on the Switch. Mm-hmm. And uh, those uh, four minutes were uh, pretty much everything I could find <laughs> out about the game. I oh. looked up the uh, cutting room floor and... Uh, it just had this same uh, Easter egg as I've seen in multiple other sources. But yeah, it wasn't released in the U.S. Uh, I want to think the Galloping Ghost has it. They do, yes. Okay, because yeah, if anyone's going to get a uh, a game from overseas, it would be them. Mm-hmm. 
not to say others don't get them, but uh, they, they would not. be the one most likely to. And I got to play this in the, I haven't played it in the arcade. So, <laughs> spoiler alert, might as well get it out of the way now. I haven't played either of these in the arcade. So. <laughs> uh, oh, I got news for you there, Chumley. You played Fozon? No. Oh. <laughs> well, not in the arcade, no. Oh, gee, Tennessee. Speaking of Chumley, Tennessee Tuxedo's uh, walrus pal. Yeah, yeah, people. Dude. Uh-oh. Dude. All right, I'm still pissed off about that, even though the guy in question is uh, has been dead for several years now. Don Adams. Remember the TV show Remote Control? Yeah, the MTV thing. Yeah, there was one question that came up that said, what kind of animals were Tennessee Tuxedo and Chumley? And one of the contestants rang in and said, Tennessee Tuxedo is a penguin and uh-huh. Chumley is a walrus. Oh, no. And he got which, is, which is correct, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the ruling was, no, they're both penguins. Which is not true. And the audience actually booed that one. Oh, God. The audience knew. Yeah. It's kind of like the time on uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire when uh, the guy got the question, uh, which is the largest of the Great Lakes? And it was like Michigan, Erie, Huron, and uh, Superior. And the guy said Superior. And he got the question wrong. What? Because they didn't specify that they were going by volume. Oh. Lake Huron has more volume than Superior. Oh. Where Superior has more uh, more uh, surface area. And so they uh, he challenged the question, and they went to commercial break, and uh, they gave it to him, and he continued on with the game. So at least they were cool Good. about it. Yeah. So anyway. And I remember Remote Control did have a Kenny goofed category. Oh? Which had questions that were, that were wrong in previous episodes, but I don't think that was ever one of them. <laughs> oh, by the way, there was a Remote Control game for uh, the NES, and I've played that in... Uh, that's a terrible game. Yeah, Commodore 64 had it, too. Oh, did they? Yeah. Did, did you play it? Was it was so-so. Yeah, it was okay. Nothing spectacular. Most, most game show uh, games for consoles were pretty bad. Yeah. But both Family Feud and Jeopardy for the Coleco Adam were pretty good. At any rate, we're talking about Fozons, I think. Fozon, yeah. So, uh, Sean, what do you think of the game? What do I think of the game? I think it's... I really latched onto it really quickly i'm into puzzle games like this and this is a puzzle game yeah absolutely in fact it's an action puzzler yeah and it kind of reminded me of uh it's a game that's, that was on both atari st and uh, amiga hmm. called atomino it kind oh, of I've had that, that kind of a vibe for me i'll have to look that up it says i just installed the steam emulator on my computer you actually Pop-Dance. introduced me to atomino i did yep a long time ago when you still had your atari st Really? I don't remember yep. that. That's when I sought it out for Amiga, and then when I got it, found out that I couldn't play it because my Amiga was literally too advanced to be able to handle it. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 it makes sense now. Oh, speaking of which, I wanted uh. to bring this up in our uh, before we talked about any games, and oh. it totally slipped my mind. I was thinking about, uh, you know, the different computers of the time, the ST, the Amiga. What's the difference between Kickstarter and Workbench? Kickstart is... Basically, the um, in a way, it's kind of sort of the BIOS, and Workbench is the GUI for the operating system. Okay, kind of like how TOS is uh, is like the uh, let's say the console for the ST, and then uh, Gem is the desktop. Something like that, yeah. Okay, 
All right. Yeah, basically, the reason Atomino wouldn't work is because any kickstart after 1.3, it couldn't handle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you either had to pop out the the kickstart ROM and put an older one in, or you had to use uh, uh, some kind of software loader that would force it into memory or use a kickstart switcher add-on. Okay. I didn't have the add-on or a separate kickstart ROM chip, Uh and I could never figure out how to load it via software, so I could never play Atomino properly. Yeah, I remember now that I saw a screenshot, I re- I vaguely recall it now. So I'll have to get look into that for my Steam emulator. But and by yeah. the way, just to clarify something you talked about before about how you can uh, shoot the uh, pieces off the uh, what the hell is that thing called again? Off of your chemic. Uh, your chemic, yeah, yeah. It uh, generally. It's kind of like a stack. Like the last one that was added on yeah. to the thing is the first one that comes off. Unless yeah. the last piece that came on to your chemic is up against a wall because it won't release anything if it's stuck up against a wall. Oh, okay. I didn't I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay. That's, I'd say that's good to know, but that's okay. So I noticed that when I was playing. Like, Wait, no, no, that's not the one. Nah. So, yeah. I don't know what I think about this game. I get what they're going for. I like the graphics. I like the sound. The uh, the boss, the uh, the atomic is, uh, I don't know, it's interesting. But uh, the thing that drives me crazy is if you got like a Molech in a, in a place and you, you got like two of them attached to your chemic and you have to get one in the middle, that's almost impossible. Well, not mm. almost impossible, but it's extremely difficult to sneak one in there because you're almost always catching it on the corner of one of the other Molex. And if it starts to curve. Yeah. So it can get frustrating in that regard. You got to really think a little more, I was going to say ration, not rationally, but let's just say you got to think a little bit more about how you're going to, you know, join stuff to the atomic. And, uh, I don't know. I don't love this game and I don't hate it, but, uh, I don't see myself coming back to this one very often, hmm. but, uh, let's talk about scores before we get into the final here. Sure. I'm going to start with orcade.com which lists exactly one instance of Fozon in its database. Okay. You could probably guess easily which arcade it ghost. is. It's definitely the ghost. And uh, the, the high score that arcade.com, A-U-R-C-A-D-E.com lists, Brandon Travis on April 23rd, 2023, who scored oh. 483,270. Oh, wow. Not bad, not bad. I didn't keep track of the scoring on the game. I haven't found any sources that really broke it down. Yeah, really. And interestingly, this is how not common this game is. Twin Galaxies doesn't even have a track for it. Oh, wow. They have a MAME track for it, though. Uh Uh-huh, but not for the uh, arcade. Not for the actual arcade cabinet, but uh, somebody going by the handle of Grey Top 1 has the uh, MAME Twin Galaxies record at a hundred and ninety thousand four hundred and thirty. Oh wow, this game can get a little stressful after a while. Oh yeah, definitely. And the thing is, I said how it kind of uh, grabs me. I, I start it and I get really, really into it, and I'm thinking mm-hmm. this is a really cool game. It's an interesting, unique concept. But having said mm-hmm. that, it's one of those games. It's, that well, it's avant garde. It's avant garde. Yes, pardon me. Yes. But it's one of those <laughs> games that in which. You're doing pretty well. You're building up all the shapes and everything. You get uh, reasonably far. Mind you, I'm not the greatest Fozon player ever. <laughs> and you're pretty feeling pretty good about where you're going. But then when you lose your last life, 
you really don't want to play it again because you have to start all the way over. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to do this again. It's one of those games that has that effect on me. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. For me, just a little bit goes a long way of this for, with this yeah. one. Like, I'll play it once, and then I won't want to play it again for several mm -hmm. days. Right. So having said that... Yeah, what are you going to rate it? On our Pie Factory podcast scale, rating scale, of one to five continues... Inclusive. Thank you. I'm going to give it... I, I'd have to say I'd give it a three. I was going to lean toward a four because of its uniquity... And the uh, creativity behind it and how it's, I mean, really, there aren't many games like it. No, no, there aren't. You're not controlling a animal of some kind, like a human or a right. cat or something. You're controlling a compound. Yeah. The only other game I know of that where you do that with is uh, Quantum. Because hmm. Quantum is uh, basically based on quantum mechanics and uh, atoms and particles and stuff like that. So... Yeah, and this game's got a bit of a kicks feel. I mean, yeah, Tetris and Columns, of course. That's Tetris, another. Columns, yeah. And Clacks. But the, the, the big thing, uh, I don't know so much about the Clacks. Because Clacks, you're what not is... controlling a animal. You're controlling. It's kind of a combination of, of elements from kicks and Blueprint. Because Blueprint, you bring pieces to a pattern. You got to create a pattern. You got to create the machine. Kind of similar in that regard. I mean, obviously, it's not the same game, but I mean, it sh does share that uh, that with it. But it does have more of a kicks feel. By the way, Fozon was made on Super Pac-Man hardware. You know what? I could tell that just by the way the uh, the fonts for the scores were. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's uh, basically in the Super Pac-Man Mappy family. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna give it a three. Oh. Oh gosh, excuse me. And. Um, yeah, like I said, I don't love it. I don't hate it. I don't know if I'll go back to it very often, but I might give it a... I do like the music and the sound effects in this game. Those are pretty cool. Games of this nature tend to lead themselves to having unique sounds and music. Oh, yeah. And um, since you brought it up that it was on the uh, the Super Pac-Man hardware, uh, I remember the, uh, the, the sound effect that uh, that game made when you would uh, eat a key, how it was kind of... Uh, I don't know, echoey a little bit. And it was, uh, the sound was just so much better than the original Pac-Man. Mm -hmm. And uh, now that you mentioned that, you, this definitely, you can tell it's definitely on the Super pa uh, Pac-Man hardware just by listening to the game. Sure. I think we're done with Fozon. So uh, I understand we have a very special underwriter today. Yes, we do. So uh, let's hear from them. That old car is worth money. Call Victory Auto Records at 860-2000 right now for a quote. Victory will buy no matter what condition. They'll pay cash on the spot and tow it away. Beat inflation by fixing up your car. Victory has seven acres of used parts. Starters, transmissions, batteries for all types of cars. Call Victory Auto Wreckers or drive out to 710 East Green in Bensonville near O'Hare. I'm Troy McClure. You might remember me from such nature documentaries as Bad vs. Nature, The Road to Victory. <laughs> I think my favorite Troy McClure entry in his filmography was Alice doesn't live anymore. <laughs> I love that episode where he did the, uh, the stage musical of uh, the planet of the, Apes. Oh yeah. Stop the planet of the apes. I want to get off. <laughs> I hate every ape I see from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. <laughs> I love that. So anyway, we're back from the commercial now. Hmm. And the reason why this is a very special underwriter yes, today yes. is because Sadly, after however many years this uh, 
Victory Auto Wreckers was in business. They are closing up shop this month. By the time you all hear this, they probably are gone. They probably are gone. So so we are going to have a candlelight vigil at 710 East Green in Bensonville near O'Hare. Uh, we will let you know when or where on the next episode. Yes. If we let you know at all. It might just be a personal vigil. By the way, that guy at the beginning, uh, our listeners didn't see this part because, of course, it's an audio podcast. But that guy in the beginning with the car door that falls off, uh-huh. my wife firmly believes that he was on his way to Ticketron at Sears to get tickets <laughs> to an REO Speedwagon concert. He looked like a fog hat guy to me. Really? Yeah, but REO no, here, is... A- here's the thing. They're, they were saying that that commercial's been around since 1985. There is no oh, way no. that that it's guy... Been, it's been around hair, since the 70s. Yeah, easily. Easily. And you know what? Uh, REO Speedwagon is from Champaign, which is just down the road from Chicago. About uh, two, maybe three hours. I think one of the guys in REO Speedwagon went to Joliet Central. Might have happened. I mean, we've had, uh, uh, what's his name? Lionel Richie was from Joliet. He, well, he only lived here a few years. He Here, I'm not in Joliet, but he went to Joliet. E- oh, dude, he went to Joliet East High School. He was in band over there. My very first job was at the Joliet Public Library in the reference department on the second floor. And uh, we had yearbooks in the ready Mm -hmm. reference section. They probably still have them. At some point when I worked there, somebody had removed every single picture of Lionel Richie out of the Joliet East High School 1967 (laughs) yearbook. Like someone cut them out. Oh, geez. It's like, mother... (laughs) Really? You know who else is from Joliet? Doug Pinnock of King's X. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He was born in Braidwood. I think uh, Melissa McCarthy. Uh, she was from Plainfield. Plainfield. Anthony Rapp. I don't know who that is. He played Charlie Brown when a boy named Charlie Brown went to uh, went to Broadway in okay. the late 90s. And he was the original Mark in Rent. Oh. My mother worked with his mother. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then uh, Nick Offerman's from, uh, from Minooka. Minooka. And uh, Jolie, it's got a lot of famous people. I just can't think of many of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, did you see who's uh, buying the Joliet Slammers? Bill Murray. Yes. yes. Yeah, uh, minor league baseball team, the Joliet Slammers. He's I'm actually surprised. only one of the, he's actually only one investor in the group. Yeah, I'm surprised he did it because it, it seemed to me like he'd be more interested in something closer to his hometown. Chicago? No, he was, he was, no, he's, he's from, from like north, the northern, northern suburbs, suburbs yeah. But yeah. I mean, come on. I mean. Yeah, whatever. It's only like 30 miles to the northern suburbs. Which is uh, in Chicago, travel time is about six hours. Sure. Anyway, yeah, we're... Uh, rest in peace, Victory Auto Wreckers. Rest in peace, Victory Auto Wreckers. Chicago original gone. Does that mean that car is no longer worth money? Uh-oh. Oh, man. They're joining the likes of the Canfield Company, Maurice Linnell Cookies, and, and Magicist. Magicist, yes. Is Bouchelle still around? Hudson 32700. I don't know. There's a way to find out, I guess. Hey, Siri, is Bouchelle still around? I found two matches for Michelle in your contacts. Oh, Bouchelle Rugg is still in business. Really? They're, uh, they're in huh. Stone Park. Oh. 773-483-2700. Same phone number. Where are they? Stone Park on Mannheim oh. Road. Wow. Speaking Oh, speaking of which, dude, you know, we're approaching Christmas season, which means that people are going to be playing that annoying Mannheim steamroller crap. You know uh, why it's called Mannheim Steamroller? Why? 
because you hear their stuff and you want to lie down on Mannheim Road and you pray <laughs> that a steamroller comes by and puts you out of your misery. Yeah, pretty much. So I think with that, we should probably talk about... Uh, my opinions Join are them. my own and not those of our podcast sponsors. Yes. So, um, other game. Yeah. But you know, All if right. Mannheim steamroller wants to uh, sponsor us and maybe yes, do a, of course, a, yeah. a, a Mannheim steamroller version of happy L. Well, that would be a bit too far, but if they want to sponsor us, we'd be happy. Yeah. We're nothing if not money sluts. Yeah. So anywho, um, the other game, I guess I should be talking about now. <laughs> Let's uncle Pooh. Oh, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of, because we're talking about join M apostrophe. Okay. You know, M. it just occurs to me. We should get t-shirts made up that say, let's uncle poo. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right. Continue. continue. <laughs> oh, so this game that we're talking about is join them. It was released apparently in 1983. At least that's the date that shows up in the game. By a company called Global Core. Global Core. That sounds like a, uh, a an evil comic book uh, corporation. It does. I'm telling you. It does. And this is the only game that anybody can ever match to them. Mystery Science Theater has uh, a, a running joke when they talk. They're like a corporation or company or whatever that happens in one of their their experiments. It's Con Huge Co. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like Con Huge Co. Now, here's the thing. I could not find any clue that there was ever a cabinet that ever existed of this game. The only way we know that it exists, you know, the only possible way we know that it exists? Because we have the ROM. Because we have the ROM, yeah. And the thing is, somebody had to know how to make the ROM work in MAME. I don't know if you remember, but I I think it was... uh, when we were talking with Doc Mack about the Beavis and Butthead game over at Galloping Ghost, and uh, we asked about a MAME ROM, and Doc said that somebody did rip the ROMs, but it's not really playable yet because, yeah, you can rip the ROMs from any arcade game. It doesn't right. mean anything unless you program something to make it work in MAME. So that's the big thing right there. So somebody had to know how to get this game to work in MAME. So I have no idea what the cabinet looks like. I have no idea what the control panel looks like. I can only predict. No, not really predict because it's way in the past. It's 40 years ago. So I'm going to have to assume that is take a risk of making me an ass. I'm going to have to assume that the controls consisted of at least one start button and a eight directional joystick. That's all I can conclude. I found nothing at all about this game ever. Just a couple of YouTube videos, just Ooh. the main ROM, and that's it. I don't know what the characters are called. I can only take a rough estimate of what the scoring is like. So this is going to be an interesting little discussion here. Now, this is a maze game. It's most definitely influenced by Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. But instead of controlling one character you're actually controlling five little characters in the maze. They're spread out in different parts of the maze. And what you do with the joystick, all five of those characters are going to do. They're all going to move parallel to each other. And now, I I don't know what these little critters are called. They kind of look like, I don't know, uh, that red hairy thing that uh, was in a Bugs Bunny cartoon or two. 
Yeah, what the hell? I keep we talked about that character on the last episode. I can't yeah. think about it. Can't think of what you know, I'm gonna check that out real quick. Or maybe that character in the He-Man cartoon with the zero one is I, I don't know. I didn't watch that show, so I don't know what it's called, but Okay. The the big red hairy thing with the sneakers is called Gossamer. Okay, we'll just call it Gossamer then. So you control five Gossamers. And in the maze are also two enemy thingies. I don't know what they're called, so I'm going to call them Florzel Quirps. Okay, you got it? Uh, I got it. The reason the game is called Join Them is that the five Gossamers that you control, you're going to want to merge them together somehow. Now, how are you going to do that when you control the characters and all five of them move at the same time? Well, basically, you have to use the maze walls to your advantage, because once your gossamer hits a maze wall, that particular gossamer can't move any further. So you use that as kind of a strategy to make the gossamers kind of run into each other and merge into a larger gossamer. Uh, You get a certain number of points every time a gossamer merges. Uh, More points depending on the size of the gossamer. And... um, Basically, you can keep merging all five of those gossamers into one giant gossamer. That's one way to play it. And when that happens, the two Florzel Quirps divide, um, assuming that uh, all of your gossamers are still intact, and I'll get to that in a moment. The Florzel Quirps will divide into five little tiny Florzel Quirps. And at that point, the gossamer turns pink. And while your gossamer is pink you can actually go around and capture the Florizel Quirps. You can essentially eat them. And <laughs> remember how I said that uh, this game is influenced by Pac-Man? Well, when you eat those tiny Florizel Quirps, the first one is worth 200 points, the next one you eat is worth 400 points, the next one you eat is worth 800 points, the next one you eat after that is 1,600 points, and if you eat all five of the tiny Florizel Quirps, the fifth one gives you 10,000 points. Now, the thing is, there are no real outer maze walls on the top, bottom, left, or right. So you can just do a quick wraparound on the edges of the screen. And uh, while your character is pink and you have those little tiny Florizel Quirps, those five tiny Florizel Quirps, they're going to try to escape out of the maze off to the sides. So basically, you got to hurry up and eat them before they escape. Either after you eat them all or after they all escape, the level's over, you move on to the next level. Um, having said that, that's just one variation of how the game works. Basically, once you merge three gossamers together, the main merged gossamer is going to turn pink. And as long as that gossamer is pink that gossamer can devour the enemies. And um, the cool thing is the enemies will regenerate off to the side and come back into the maze. And as long as your character is still pink, that character can keep eating over and over Mm -hmm. for increased points. I think the first time you eat the two full-size Florzel Quirps, the first one is 600 and then 700, and it keeps increasing by 100 every time. In fact, probably your best bet, rather than to just merge all of your gossamers, you just want to merge three of them and then eat the uh, Florzel Quirps before they divide up into little tiny ones and keep doing that. After you eat both of the original size Florzel Quirps, a bonus item pops up 
kind of a little bit to the center, a little bit to the left, uh, worth uh, a certain amount of points. And there are different bonus items depending on which level it is. It might be a wine glass. Um, I don't remember what the other bonus items I saw were, but um, it's uh, really interesting in that regard. And basically you lose a life if a Florzel Quirp captures one of your Gossamers to the point that you don't have enough Gossamers to merge into a pink character. So once that happens, you lose a life. So it's confusing. It's it's hard to describe, but once you actually play it, it's yeah, it makes more sense when you play it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and by the way, another thing. Speaking of uh, like merging three gossamers, then immediately starting to eat, you do have a limited time in which you can eat the Florzel Quirps. Uh, kind of like with uh, Pac Man, when the monsters kind of flicker blue and white, when your gossamer flickers pink and red. That's a warning sign that you're about to turn red again. When you're red, you cannot devour anymore. Your only option is to merge with another gossamer and start over again. And uh, in fact, I noticed in a couple of YouTube videos that people were using kind of grouping strategies similar to uh, Pac-Man mm -hmm. to get the Florzel Corpse close together so that when you do merge all of your remaining gossamers together, and the two big Florzel Quirps divide into five tiny Florzel Quirps. They'll be close together so you can really quickly grab all five of them and get those extra points. Mm -hmm. Now, assuming you're playing this in MAME on the default settings, you will get an extra life for every 20,000 points you score. Having said that, if you look at the dip switch settings, you'll see that the dip switch is actually set to give you a bonus life at 30,000 points. I don't know what kind of math that is. Hmm. But it's it's weird. It's just really weird. But uh, you start off with uh, three lives. And uh, I don't think there's a cap to the number of extra lives you can have. I, I, I haven't performed that well <laughs> to see for sure if you can bank up extra lives. But hey, that in a nutshell is join them. Jimmy G, what are your thoughts on join them? Okay. This is a cutesy game. It's a... Uh... A bit of a, a, a puzzler, and uh, as you mentioned, it's kind of difficult to explain. You have to really play it, try it out for yourself, but uh, I kind of like it. Um, while you were talking, I decided to take a little look at Joinum, and I noticed that uh, this one resource that I found here says that it's based on Noma Trading Arcade Hardware. So I clicked the link to that, and lo and behold, it pulls up nine games, a couple of these I have actually heard of really? and have actually seen. Now, obviously, join them in Uncle Pooh. Uh, it's got one called Super Casino, which is a uh, video poker. Super Triv, which is trivia. One called Freeze and one called Tripool. Tripool is uh, billiards. Uh, but then it has the adult game Loverboy, which I have played in meme. And uh, given the content of that game, that's one we were probably never going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and two that I have definitely heard of, uh, one called Jack the Giant Killer, and I've definitely <laughs> played and seen this in the arcade. Well, I've seen it. Uh, I haven't played it in the arcade, but I've played it in MAME. And one that I have seen and played in the arcade is Zizix. Zizix. Z-Z-Y-Z-Z-Y-X-X. <laughs> and I've played, I have seen that, that and played it in the arcade. I know for a fact. So uh, I just tried to do a little more digging to see if I could uh, trace this uh this hardware, this company down. Uh, the yeah. problem is Noma Trading. I saw uh, an actual like stock exchange thing, and 
I saw one that was something kind of like uh, Oriental Trading Company, which they has the catalog of cheap crap, uh, except this one had electronic stuff. And uh, I'm guessing that maybe that has something to do with the hardware this is based on. But uh, huh. yeah, I'm not prepared to to prolong the podcast by searching any further. But huh. uh, I did find it interesting that the hardware of two games that I have actually seen in the arcade. So I thought huh. that interesting. So uh, yeah, Jack the Giant Killer is a Cinematronics game too. Oh, it actually this says here uh, the first Noma Trading arcade hardware video game was released in '81. And Cinematronics published all these games. Interesting. Because Uncle Pooh is on here. I'm pretty sure Cinematronics did not publish Uncle Pooh. I am I'm dang sure about that. But let, as long as I'm here, I might as well look at it. And by the way, those of you who've never seen Join Them, the reason that we were saying let's Uncle Pooh at the beginning of this particular discussion is because Uncle Pooh is obviously hacked from join them because at the beginning of the game of join them it says let's join them mm-hmm. and it appears in the same font the same kind of animation that it does in uncle Pooh. so we're thinking that somebody simply changed the variable that holds the value of join them to uncle Pooh, and it's just a universal variable that's used for every instance of the title of the game hence the really awkward phrase let's uncle Pooh." <laughs> yep <laughs> i always like i said we need to get t-shirts made up that say let's yeah. uncle poo i totally agree with that i mean oh, uh, just the other day i was like going through my drawer and i found the uh the t-shirt that super podcast brothers gave us uh, oh, charlie man. chuck it says stay classic and i proudly wore it the other day i totally forgot yeah i had it i have two of those because when they announced their red bubble store i got that shirt immediately and then Literally the next day, one of them emailed me and said, "What's your? give me your address. Mm-hmm. And a couple of days later, I got another one showed up from them. <laughs> so I have two of them. So that was, that was pretty cool. It's about time we designed a new t-shirt that nobody will wear except for us. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, oh, we've man. talked we about it. We have a red bubble store that we've never, we never ever talk about. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You can buy stickers. So yeah, that's, that's probably going to be where our uh, Let's Uncle Pooh shirt comes from. Yeah. The thing is, though, join them and Uncle Pooh, there is really no resemblance to each other other than maybe some animation styles. Some of the graphics the uh, look, look similar, like some of the patterns in the maze walls look Yeah, I can, I can kind of see that. And the way, but other than that. And the way the things appear kind of is Uncle Pooh-ish. I think Uncle Pooh has much more detailed graphics. Yeah, I would agree. And a much more thought out plot. Because, you know, just running around maze and joining a bunch of gossamers together doesn't require as much thought as, oh, fart bubbles. <laughs> you know what? I decided that if, if I ever get a get a doggy, I'm going to name it Gossamer. Huh. I like that. That's a kind of a nice doggy name. Gossamer. Hmm. Gossy, Gossamer, come here, boy. Come here, you good boy. Oh, you good boy. And know. the dog will be like, I prefer to be called Sam for short. Thank you very much. <laughs> But really, I have said everything I know about join them. I don't. I couldn't find anything. You found more than I did. <laughs> yeah. and you weren't even the one assigned to do this game. To be fair, there wasn't a whole heck of a lot for Fozon either. Hmm. I mean, there was more than there was for join them, which is a shame because join them is actually not a half bad game. It's an interesting no. concept. Maybe a little rough around the edges, but not terrible. Yeah. 
I might as well go with, you know what, are there scores for this game? There are no Twin Galaxy. Actually, there is a Twin Galaxy score, but again, for MAME only. Okay. And um, that is held by Gary Dean, who submitted his score on February 2nd. February. Second day of the second month of the year, 2012. Groundhog And he scored 418,700 points, which... Now, the thing is, there's a huge difference between his score and Reverend John's score, which is the number two score. He scored over 300,000 points higher than Reverend John did. But the thing is, I can easily see somebody getting this score. Oh. Because uh, if you play the game right, Mm -hmm. you can get a lot of points in just one maze. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're good at uh, grouping the Florzo Corpse together. Ooh, that should be uh, scattered. The name of Scattered Frog's next album, "Grouping the Florzel Corpse." Corpse. Yeah, hmm. I'll let them know. Yeah, how many albums have they released so far? I oh man, I lost count. I lost count. Yeah, I, I lost count after they released the Infrared album. Hmm. I mean, there's been the White album, and then of course ACDC's Black and Back in Black. But so, you know, they decided Infrared. So, you know what? I might as well just give my rating for this. I'm rating it at a three. Okay. This actually is one I can see myself going back to because it's such an unusual game. I really hope Doc Mack or or Scott or somebody can get this game. Uh, We joke about Uncle Pooh all the time. And to be honest, my big problem with that game is if you're good at it, it it seems like the difficulty uh, levels off after not too long and it just becomes extremely repetitive. But uh, this one... I could see myself coming back to, I don't see it being kind of repetitive. It's a unique control scheme that might take a little finessing to get uh, good at, but uh, it this game really requires to use your, um, uh, gosh, what is it? Your Meat thermometer? Your uh, peripheral vision. Oh, okay. oh yeah, because you're, yeah. You're trying to keep track of so many things at one time. Like Usually it's just like a maze and a couple of ghosts, but this one is like a couple of enemies and five players, and so this one can get... Not frantic in the sense that, you know, it ramps up, but frantic in the sense that it's it's uh, kind of splitting your attention a little bit, I guess. Hmm. And uh, so you really got to really got to pay attention to play when you play in this game. But uh, it's, you know, it's a unique concept and, it, and it's fun. Uh, but hmm. I can't rate it any more than a three until I play it a little bit more. Yeah, I was about to rate it a three out of five continues inclusive until probably an hour before we got together to record this. Okay. Because I did not know about the bonus items that appear. Uh-huh. I did not realize that you could just merge three of your gossamers and start eating Florzo Corpse for even more points huh. than the little ones. So I'm like, oh, this is like more dimensional than I thought. And I was quite frankly a little bit upset that I had to stop playing so we could record. <laughs> so I'm actually pretty confident in my rating of four continues for join them. Yeah, I can see that again. Because, and like you said, because it is a unique concept. One thing that both of these games that we talked about today have in common, you really got to think to play both of these. They're both kind of intellectual games in a way, you know, not snooty, but it requires fast thinking and requires, uh, uh, paying attention to many different things. This is this is a great game to hone your multitasking skills. All right, maybe not, but it's yeah. a good. It's a fine game. So. Oh yeah. Okay, so I think with that we are uh, 
we are done with our games for the day. So we did get some feedback. Yes, we did. F-E-E-D-B-A-C. Feedback. Feedback. And this was from who again? This was uh, this is from Craig Schober. Craig Schober. Join him. Oh. Abrupt. <laughs> Hi, Craig. This game feels a little like a bizarro Pac-Man. You have a maze, yes, but instead of yes. gobbling power pellets and chasing monsters, you are the monsters. More accurately, you are control five monsters simultaneously. Go left and they all go left, and up and down to the right as well. If He's two small monsters touch, they will combine to form a larger monster. Keep bumping into each other to form a monster that is big enough to eat the two large monsters chasing you about the maze. It's a simple concept, but requires a certain left brain, right brain coordination that doesn't always click, but when it works, it feels just right. Just right. Keep an eye on all of your little monsters and the two enemy monsters all at the same time. Okay, Lady Gaga. I mentioned Pac-Man because it really feels like some sort of role reversal exercise for all of those Pac-Man players out there wishing they could play as the monsters or ghosts. Hmm. Little do they know oh, that would be is that all these monsters would be controlled by a single four-way joystick at the same time. Oh, Not easy. Way. Fortunately, your monsters increase in speed every time you join them. Things get interesting and the game speeds up for both player and the enemy monsters. If you aren't big enough, you get eaten, but fear not. If you have enough small monsters left, you can still join up more in an attempt to get bigger and eat the enemy monsters. That's Uncle Pooh. This game really does not look good. The maze and the characters themselves do not look very appealing. There is nothing resembling the graphic cuteness, hideousness, or boldness of classic antagonists or protagonists in maze games such as Pac-Man or Pango or Tutankhamen. Colors, maze design, and characters are uninspired, so it's no mystery why I never saw nor heard of this game before. Well, <laughs> That being said, I did have fun when my right and left brains worked together to form Voltron. This game exhibits one of those rare learning curves. It's actually harder early on in each stage, and the strategy or pattern choices are much more critical at the start of each round, as opposed to the end of each round. Orchestrating those five little monsters in a safe manner, all while trying to combine them, feels like a masterclass in marionetting. But if you can combine the first mm. two, Yep. Things get easy, and as you combine more, things get much easier. Mm-hmm. The enemies yes. also speed up too, to but it's too late for them because once I'm on a roll, they're no match for my ever-growing monster. Once you combine yes. all of your little monsters, the two large enemy monsters split up into little monsters themselves and head for the exits in the maze. Gobble them all up and you get a satisfying, perfect 10,000-point bonus. Nothing's a match for my ever-growing Once ever the enemy monsters monster. split up, the scoring resembles Pac-Man <laughs> even more, which is very satisfying to me. I also like the way your little monsters scream and blink when they get dangerously close to an enemy. And he makes it too easy. Yes. <laughs> One thing I don't like is towards the end of each round, if you are big enough to eat the bad guys, even if they get to your little last monster before you can join up with them, you lose a life and go on to the next round. I don't make the rules, so I guess I just have to accept them, but that doesn't mean I have to like them. I give Joinem 3 out of 5 continues. 
Phozon. I love, do love that music. Phozon looks a little like some kind of Arkanoid spin-off with a little Tetris thrown in for good measure. Oh, the yeah, art design right. casing and color yeah, palette could be taken straight Arkanoid from the field. world of Arkanoid. There's a larger mission within Phozon that involves combining atoms into molecules, but you're always watching out for the colored balls bouncing on the, around the screen. These enemy balls remind me of the titular enemy character from Kix. You know, the way they appear to move around randomly, and yet not so randomly when they are ready to pounce on you. Gameplay is straightforward. Simply match the molecule pattern in the middle of the screen without letting any of the rotating colored balls touch your black nucleus ship, which is actually called a chemic in this game. Seems pretty simple, and I guess it is, until the required patterns get more complex. Luckily, you can fire off the atoms that do not attach in the right position. But these atoms just fly off and disappear. I kind of wish they could damage the colored balls in the process or do something useful. The atoms connected to your molecule seem to do something. When you connect to a glowing molecule, it supposedly introduces some vulnerability to the colored balls. At least that's what I read. I mean, they look like they damaged the enemy, but I never could destroy the colored balls except in the challenging stage. In this level, the rejected atoms repeatedly shoot off of your molecule like missiles and destroy the menacing color balls in a satisfying manner. That is satisfying. <laughs> I managed to clear World 1 and got stuck somewhere in the middle of World 2 when the difficulty ramps up a little too much for me to care about continuing, honestly. Fozon is also a little like chemistry. I never liked chemistry as a subject in school because the molecule chains were abstract and never resembled anything other than a bunch of atoms and molecules that didn't live up to the sum of their parts in the natural world, at least visually speaking. Salt molecules look just like a block of atoms. Sugar molecules look like a bunch of grapes. Potassium, gallium, carbon. They don't look like anything in particular. My imagination always did a better job of forming the chain into something visually appealing or useful to me as a strong art student forced into the role of a struggling science student. Unfortunately, Mr. Crump, my 11th grade chemistry teacher, didn't grade on imagination. Was he in an iron lung? I wonder if he would have excelled at this game. Our Crump. I suspect that if they did a reboot of this game, it would work in three dimensions, which would offer more visually challenging puzzles, but the payoff of flying around these molecules in 3D space would be truly engrossing and immersive. Something else just occurred to me. Every once in a while, I would grasp a concept in chemistry and actually ace a pop quiz, but I never really cared because I knew that the world of particles and elements were still so out of reach for me while my own imagination was so much easier to access. Sometimes I was able to form a complex chain of atoms in Phozon, but in the end, who cares? Not me. I give Phozon two out of five continues. Two out of five for Phozon. Huh, wow. Well, thank you, Craig. Oh, that that was a unique feedback. And really, seriously, Craig explained Joydom way better than I ever could. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, as your gossamers merge, the bigger gossamer goes faster. And the bigger the gossamer, the faster it's going to go. I got a couple of things with this feedback. Uh, first of all, uh, I hadn't thought about this, but uh, you made the point that Joinum's uh, a lot like a kind of like a reverse Pac-Man. Yeah. And I didn't think about that, but that is, you know what? I see where exactly where he's coming from with that. It does. I can kind of, see that. Yeah. It does have kind of a feel. It would be nice if there was an actual reverse Pac-Man 
And I think this is going to be the closest you can get. But uh, hey, uh, you know. Well, according to, you can always tell your little brother that, yeah, that's a reverse Pac-Man here. You can control the monster. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so um, I kind of liked that. And he was bringing about, up about a uh, 3D, uh, how it would be interesting if there was a 3D version of Fozon, how it'd be much oh, more difficult. Man. And I, I'm trying to look for it now, but Namco actually did a game that was kind of like a 3D version of, um, of Kicks. Uh, of course, it used uh, female bodies. And, uh, oh, right, yeah. Uh, trying to think of the name of... The- oh, they got a game called Blast Off. I know that's... Well, there were, well, Namco's official version of it was called Volfide. You sure about that? I thought that was Taito. Or was it? To- oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm trying... I can't remember the name of the 3D, like, kicks sort of thing that they created. And I know I've played it... Just going over the list of uh, Namco games here. Oh, they have a game called Fun Cube. I'll have to look into that. Um, yeah, I think it's a cube that you swallow and you wait for uh, colors to happen and you have fun with it. Oh, that's right. Mar- uh, Namco did Mario Kart Arcade. In retrospect, Nintendo didn't have a whole ton of arcade games. Well, at any rate, <laughs> Namco has a whole ass load of games. Uh, yeah. Oh, here's one called Tinkle Pit. We should talk about that sometime. Yeah, we should. Well, I have to look for the game again. I can't think of the name of it. But uh, so, yeah, um, that's a game I <laughs> need to play again. Mame's been a pain in the ass since they uh, stripped out the uh, the BIOS and had you have uh, those in separate ROM files these days. Oh, yeah. It makes it so freaking hard to get things going anymore. But... At any rate, so uh, thank you, uh, Craig, for your feedback. Uh, do you have anything to add, uh, Sean? Um, yeah, Craig kind of remind. well, his uh, sounds in the background kind of reminded me. I totally forgot to mention that uh, when you die in Join Him, you hear Frederick Chopin's Death March. Chopin. Hey, it's a good thing, I guess, it's public domain. So. Oh, yeah. All right, so um, shall we reveal the theme, or should you want to thank people first? I think well, let's, think, let's uh, reveal the theme. Yeah, these are just uh, some games that you just have to join things together. You have to join them. You have to join uh, Molex and Fozon. You have to join, uh, what did we call them? Gossamers and uh, join them. Yep. So, yeah. Yep, you join them together with the band. And we also never played these in the arcade. Yeah, because, well. We only know of the Fozon. Find us an arcade cabinet in which we can do that. Like you said, uh, well, Galloping Ghost has Fulzon, Fulzon, is it but they don't have uh, join them. Well, I'm going to be in New Jersey soon, and I did actually set aside a day when I can go to, say, Yesterday's of Red Bank or perhaps Silverball, see if uh, they have. I doubt Silverball or Yesterday's would have them, but hey, it's an excuse to go to those places. I'm surprised that being the Beatles fan you are, you never came up with uh, Yesterday's. <sighs> That's no. Because, no, because I'm so sick of that song. That's why. I still love there that what, Saturday Night Live bit of, of the uh, kind of know the word singers. Yesterday, something, something, something far away. <laughs> I love that one. Good At any rate. Word. Anywho. So let's uh, go ahead and thank some people. Yeah, yeah. These people are awesome. Thank you to Daniel Chavez, Dean Schmidt, Christian Williams, the SNES podcast. Thank you, Greg. Timmy Mack, Underground Retrocade, Mark Super, D. Alex, Mike Hat NJ. Atari Bites, Kurt Musgrave, Kevin Bean, Richard Valdez, 
Nate Lackhart, Rory Coleman, Keith Sheehan, Retro Game Club Podcast, Plaid Mouse, PJ Steele, Craig Schober, and um, we have an interesting happenstance here among our Pie Factory Podcast Patreon supporters. We have not only another new supporter this month, but we also have, I believe, our first British supporter. Oh, welcome, James. I I don't know how your name's pronounced, James. Either Tinmouth, Tinmouth, Tinmouth. I, I oh, really don't know. right, 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 right. So yeah. thank you so much, and thank you everybody for your financial support. We promise we're trying to get some extra content for everybody, and um, this helps keep our podcast going. It helps uh, helps keep our equipment fresh. Helps keep our domain name alive. And uh, all that other good stuff. So thank you so much. Oh, I might want to mark this on your calendar. Uh, Wednesday, November 15th is Manos Day. The Hands of Fate? Dumb Industries, which does the uh, the Mads Are Back with Trace Beaulieu and Frank Conniff. They're having, uh, celebrating 57 years of Manos. Uh, Dumb-industries.com slash Manos Day. A 24-hour live stream of all things Manos at noon. Uh, Manos, The Hands of Fate, the 4K restoration. Uh, Rift Tracks Live Manos at 1.30. It's pronounced Manos, by the way. 3 o'clock, The Mads Are Back, Manos, The Hands of Fate. Manos. 5.30, Manos, The Rise of Torgo. 7 p.m., Manos, The Hands of Felt. I've seen both of those. 8 p.m., Live Ask Me Anything with Jackie Naaman Jones, who was Debbie Ooh, in the Jackie. original. 9 p.m., the world premiere of The Manos Chronicles, which is a series. Oh, no. Uh, 9.45, live, ask me anything with Willow Polson and Jackie Naaman-Jones. 10.30 p.m., Manos Returns, which I've also seen. <laughs> They're not good. <laughs> at 12 a.m., the lineup repeats through noon. Huh. So that's at dumb-industries.com slash Manos Day. Manos Day. Okay, link in the show notes? Link in the show notes. Okay. And by the way, I just want to say this. Everybody, there is no colon in the name of the movie Manos, The Hands of Fate. It is open double quotes, Manos, close double quotes, The Hands of Fate. Well, you know, Manos, yes, but not in so many words. You know, Manos. Uh-huh. For those of who interested are interested. Oh, and Debbie Naaman Jones uh, <laughs> hand makes uh, Manos robes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hope she brings Shanko with her for, to this Q&A stuff. Oh, yeah, her dog. A little puppy. Yeah. That's why in the movie she wasn't scared of the dog because it was her dog. Yeah. Yeah, she and the dog were the only ones actually paid for the movie. Yeah. (laughs) She got a bike, the dog got dog food. So, at any rate. uh, At any rate. We're going to announce our games for the next episode. This is going to be a bit of an unusual episode because we're going to be talking about a bunch of games we already talked about before. Or will we? We're going to talk about the arcade games Namco Classics 1 and Namco Classics 2. But right now... Don't really have a theme for this because uh, <laughs> don't really need a theme, but I figured this would be a good way to end the year out. And uh, we'll discuss them a little bit more. So, uh, you know, if you want to, you know, submit your feedback, you know, you'll have until about middle December. So, hmm. all right. We'll see y'all later. Talk to y'all later. Do something later. I don't know. And bye bye. Infrared. Oh, support your local like This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. 
Opening and closing theme is The Happy L composed by Sean Courtney. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on piefactorypodcast.com. Support the show at patreon.com slash piefactorypodcast. I'm only really a royal pain in the ass. Damn, I was going to say that. And that's an understatement. Oh, gosh. Oh. She snuck in here to show me something. Good. She tapped me on the shoulder and almost uh, freaked me out. You're going to be an outtake. I don't care. (laughs) First outtake Uh, of the day. (laughs) Cameo by Daughter G.